this week on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. The road to Wrestle Kingdom is on as the New Japan 2019 slate comes to an end with the World Tag League and a surprising winner who will face God at Wrestle Kingdom. In AEW, the Young Bucks and Proud and Powerful put on a fantastic match on Dynamite, while Keith Lee, Finn Balor, and Tommaso Ciampa do the same on NXT. We will look at both shows. Meanwhile, on Raw, Charlotte Flair and Becky Lynch continue to have problems with the Kabuki Warriors, setting up an exciting match at tables, ladders, and chairs. And in our second segment, we talk Home Alone, my favorite topic of the Christmas season. Which wrestlers would you choose to help protect Kevin McAllister's house against the wet bandits? Find out all of our listener answers to that question, plus our answers to that question. All that's next. Two-Faced Wrestling Talk, the podcast that goes beyond WWE and goes in-depth on NJPW, AEW, ROH, PWG, and more. Also featuring fun pop culture and wrestling crossovers, listener Q&As, and extended discussions about wrestling topics past, present, and future. Now, here's your host, Kelsey. Hi, and welcome to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Paul. Yep, uh, I really don't have anything quick or witty to add to that. Be a grump or something like a Grinch. That's what you are known <laughs> yeah. as to our audience. Yeah, yeah. I'm grumpy. I don't like Christmas. I don't even know about Home Alone. I call Kevin McAllister Kevin McDougal. Whatever. <laughs> Wait till you guys see the bloopers for this week's episode. Paul called Kevin It's not Mc- like I haven't seen Home Alone. I just am not obsessed about it. I don't know if anyone would think he was named Kevin McDougal. I don't know. It's Kevin something. I don't. I don't remember a lot of characters' names and stuff. I guess. I guess you get a pass. Eh, or you're a Grinch. But anyway, what was not Grinch-worthy was this awesome week of wrestling TV. There was a lot going on, a lot of good stuff, a lot of enjoyable stuff. No reason to be a Grinch about that. It was a gift that keep, kept on giving this week, as there was lots of good wrestling. Every week, it's like the gift that keeps on giving, and it won't stop! <laughs> it's too much wrestling. We can't keep up with it all. There is that, too. All right, so... uh what do you want to promote? <laughs> I don't know. Let's just promote our Patreon. You if go. you want to support us, I have last week's bloopers that I just posted tonight on Patreon. Patreon.com slash superkickingit. S-U-P-E-R-K-I-C-K-I-N-G-I-T. You can find me on Twitter at the same exact handle, superkickingit. And you can find our podcast at Two Face Pod, T-W-O-F-A-C-E-D-P-O-D. If you're watching on YouTube and want to subscribe to our audio platforms, Easy way to find it, superkickingit.com. It's got all of our audio links to the different platforms, and that includes the popular iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And if you're just listening to us but want to watch us, just subscribe to Wrestling News Co.'s YouTube channel, and you'll get to see not only this, but uh, weekly Raw review, weekly AEW review. Uh, this weekend, we'll have a Tables, Liars, and Chairs live review. And potentially a, and I do say potentially, it's about 50-50, maybe 60-40. Yeah. A, uh, a uh, final battle uh, live review Friday night after the Ring of Honor last big show of the year. With just me. Just No you. grumpy Paul to deal with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's a weird evil laugh. It's because I'll be covering uh, lots of high school football championships here in Louisiana on yes. Friday. So That's what you'll be doing and that's what I'll be doing and. What we were doing uh, on Sunday was uh, watching uh, New Japan's final big show of the year, uh, World Tag League, 
And uh, there were some other matches uh, leading up to it and some big happenings on the show. Uh, I guess we want to start with the Yanu and Colt match against Owens and Fale. Uh, good comedy gold in this this match. It was pretty funny right off the bat when they were going, you go, no, you go, no, you go. It went on for like five minutes. Yeah. It felt like it doesn't matter. Then he goes, I go. <laughs> exactly. It doesn't matter if Colt and Yanu are working together or against each other. They really are, like you said, comedy gold. I love them together. And we got to interview Colt a couple of months ago, and he said that one of the most proud matches he ever had and the most proud moments of this past year was his match against Yanu. Not this match where he tags with him, but like you know, a couple months back mm-hmm. where he was going against him. He said he really loved the comedy in it, and he had comedian friends who actually complimented that match and said it was really funny, and that was like, mental the world to him was like one of the biggest compliments that he could receive from them yeah uh it's you know look i'm not a huge fan of comedy matches but those guys are very good together they have they have a a chemistry that is really funny together and uh it was entertaining to see i can barely even read my notes they're so (laughs) scribbly uh then uh jericho did not appear in person but another uh video threatening to uh beat up tanahashi at wrestle kingdom yeah, that was awesome. A really well done video package. I like how Jarko presents himself to New Japan crowds. Uh, really a little bit different than we see him in AEW, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, and we get another AEW surprise, related surprise, later on in the show. We'll get to that. But that was that was probably the biggest point of the night for me. Uh, Kenta and the Tokyo Pimp uh, went against uh, Suzuki and Archer. Suzuki went crazy with the railing. He always does, but he was like swinging it around willy-nilly. I couldn't believe he almost didn't hit. He almost hit, and I couldn't believe he didn't hit uh, one of the fans. And then Lance Archer terrorizing that child. It was like the greatest (laughs) we've seen yet. Like, we've... We've thought that his torturing of kids in the past has been gold. But this one was, like, epic. The little kid was holding on to their dad so tight. Like, oh, my God, I don't even want to look. <laughs> it was so extreme. But Archer didn't let up. Gold. Yeah, it was great. And uh, what was also great was the, the slap battle between Kenta and Suzuki. Uh, I really hope we get some sort of great match between them in the near future, between Kenta and Suzuki, because they're both so physical and so stiff that uh that would be great archer uh slammed takahashi into the mat and then uh the big the story here is the other aew guy as you mentioned john moxley comes out and he comes out to both suzuki and archer and we're thinking maybe we're going to get the payoff of the suzuki moxley but he wants to go after archer's united states championship which which does make sense (laughs) yeah it got stripped because he couldn't make his defense against juice I can't remember which show, but it was just a few months ago. Mm-hmm. And everyone was speculating, oh, they can't be involved with anybody in AEW. But then we saw Jericho still being involved. So that, you know, begged the question, why Why did they strip him? Was it really just because he couldn't appear one time? Yeah. But uh, other people claimed that maybe it's because they didn't want him to lose to Juice. Right. And that they thought definitely he would. they would take the title off of him if he couldn't be more regular. Right. So instead of AEW letting him lose to Juice, they're like, oh, he can't make it. And then New Japan's like, we'll strip him. Well, he's going to get a chance at Lance Archer in a uh, Texas death match at Wrestle Kingdom. That's going to be one of the best matches of the show. Let me just say that Juice thing is speculation. We don't know that for sure. Yeah, no, of course. Uh, But yeah, that should be an awesome match. And it's kind of crazy that it's going to be such a brutal match to take place in New Japan Pro Wrestling. But 
I think that's going to make it even more unique and different and maybe make it even better. Yeah. And Archer's been on fire this year. To me, he's had one of the best 2019s out of anybody besides maybe like Will Ospreay in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Ishii always does well too, but and of course Okada. But I really think that those few guys have really had a standout year in New Japan. Yeah, I, I think Archer's definitely had one of the best years. Osprey, uh, Ishii, I thought, had a really good That's year. That's exactly what the people were so, saying, yep. So, yeah, I, I'm trying to think of anybody else that well, you didn't Okada, mention. Of yeah. yeah, Okada's Jay always White's good. Jay White's had a decent year. Yeah, yeah. It's not like he's super on top, though. Yeah, so, and speaking of Okada, Okada and uh, Ibushi starting to get a lot more contentious leading up to Wrestle Kingdom. Okada shoving the belt in a... Ibushi's face. Ibushi doing some heel tactics. Just clocking him with the briefcase. The crowd didn't know how to react. The crowd was like dead silent, like, oh, what do we do? (laughs) We can't cheer him doing this. We don't know what to do. That's what the crowd felt like. And I was with him, although I don't like Ibushi, so I was like, haha, boo, Ibushi. Maybe this will make the crowd dislike him, but I highly doubt it. He he snapped. It was was kind of crazy to see the subdued Ibushi kind of snap. It was impressive to see. Uh, and then this show ends with Finjuice uh, winning the World Tag League, even though they ended up even in points. They beat Evil and Sonata. A bit of a surprise, I would say. Uh, I mean, they have some tag team chemistry, obviously, from ROH and, you know, recently in, in New Japan. But well, before, you know, Finley got hurt, they yeah. were tagging together. And I think they were on a good roll. And it really sucked the timing of Finley's injury. So he had to go off and, like, all the momentum was gone. Uh, it was good for Juice. You know, Juice got some singles momentum in the meantime, and even a little before that. But it's like, now that they're back together and, and Finley's back, I just like them. They go so well together. I just think a friendship outside of the ring sometimes really translates in the ring. And that's what I feel like they have. I feel like they're legit friends. I could be wrong, but, like, it just comes off as such a natural pairing. And um, I want to circle back before we move on from New Japan Pro Wrestling. I do want to say Archer deserves this Moxley match because... Moxley, obviously, I feel like nobody can argue that he brings some extra eyes to New Japan Pro Wrestling. Mm -hmm. Now, New Japan is at the highest point of popularity that it's been in a very long time. Uh, And they've done that through other avenues, but also from their own hard work. Yes, Jericho helped a bit. Yes, Moxley helped a bit. But I do think a lot of it's on their own. But you can't deny that Moxley is going to bring some more people who don't usually watch to watch that match with Archer. So that's going to do wonders for him. What a nice little pump up for him. Absolutely. and uh, Well deserved. Juice and uh, and Finley will get to face G.O.D. at Wrestle Kingdom. That'll and that'll be, be a great match. Yeah, so uh, it's all coming together for Wrestle Kingdom. A two-night event, and it's going to be... Pretty awesome to see. Well, speaking of Moxley, he uh, opened the show in AEW, and I uh, I mentioned this on our live review. I literally walked into the show two minutes late, and he had already beaten one guy and beaten up another guy, and was already being surrounded by the inner circle. I'm like, how did I miss all this in two minutes? It was just super <laughs> quick. Um, the squash match just two seconds long really honestly and then john silver comes out but moxley quickly puts him down and out and then like you said inner circles already encircling moxley uh jericho and his goons i, I like that a lot and basically what we end up seeing happen is jericho 
asking Moxley if he wants to join his inner circle. And again, we talked about this on our live stream quite extensively, so if you guys want to hear more of our in-depth thoughts in case we seem like we're going light on AEW or Raw, it's because we did a whole hour on each. We're definitely not going to go into that much depth here because it's on the same YouTube channel. If you guys are just listening on audio, please go to Wrestling News Co. on YouTube to check out those full reviews. We really go super in-depth, and I'm proud of those reviews for sure. But uh, I really wanted to see Moxley... Just paradigm shift, Jericho. <laughs> no thinking, because Jericho's like, oh, I'll take your time to think about it. We'll be waiting when you're ready with the answer. No, that's not, it's not in Moxley's nature. He's a lone wolf. Just be done with the question. Be done with the doubts about it. Put him down and out. Well, and I mentioned it as well uh, the other night, just in a dream sequence scenario that's not going to happen. It'd be funny, since they're both going to be at Wrestle Kingdom, if they kind of helped each other out in that show and it, indicated that they were going to work together. I, I think that'd be kind of neat to see, but obviously Moxley's going to say no because he, he is a lone wolf. And I think he works better that way. I but I mean, I like the Wrestle Kingdom scenario too. Like, I wouldn't complain if he ended up just joining for a little bit and then betraying Jericho. Yep, yep, I would agree. Uh, we also got an extended look at the Butcher, the Blade, and the Bunny. Uh, I, I'm intrigued by what I saw out of the Butcher and the Blade, so... Uh, I think I think they are going to be something, and yeah. you know, you, you get a little bit of uh, Allie or uh, the Bunny getting involved, as you would expect. So uh, interesting to see them going forward. I just think they did a good job with the video package last week, and that's why I think they had this opportunity to get over more so with their match this week. If it wasn't for that video package, people wouldn't be as invested because their re- reveal and surprise entrance. I just think it was a bad inter- introduction especially for casual fans who don't know who they are. So now we're finally getting into them, getting to know who they are. So successful intro after the initial intro. And uh, speaking of videos, uh, another one for Dark Order. I thought that was really good. Uh, Really getting a sense of the cult-like, you know, theme that they're trying to, to perpetuate that, you know, you know, if you're a loser in life, you join us and you become somebody. So... (laughs) <laughs> Our know. dog is causing chaos again. <laughs> I don't know what he's whining about. Uh, you'll see in the bloopers, if you see our show last night, he, uh, for some reason, mm-hmm. feels like he has to interject once we start. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, let's <laughs> let's go to MJF. Great, great on-mic segment. Oh, amazing. Uh, MJF is a brutal heel. You know, I was saying a couple of weeks ago that maybe he really isn't a true heel because I never want to boo him. He's so likable. Every, like, heelish thing he says, I'm like, oh, my God, that's so good. But this time, he almost crossed the line. He called out Cody's lisp. And I was like, I can't believe he did that. You don't go there, man. (laughs) So that was as close as it came for me, like, being mad about what he said or, like, booing him like a legit (laughs) heel type of situation, like an old school heel type of heat. But that means it was effective. Yeah. So although it was awkward, and I can't believe he said it, I guess it's a good thing he said it because it worked. Yeah. And uh, he also uh, told uh, Cody that they're on, but he's not going to say what the stipulations are going to be until uh, their show in January uh, in Jacksonville. We said it last night. I'd be fine with a long buildup into that Revolution pay-per-view between these two because they're both so good on the mic. I think you... You could have all kinds of feuding leading up to that if they want to go that far. Oh, yeah. They could definitely easily build for two months. Uh, Omega and Paige uh, going against Kip Sabian. And uh, 
Who did he go against? Sean Spears. Oh, Sean I mean, no, Spears. He was yeah. with Sean Spears. And Sean Spears, that's right. He was versus Hangman and Omega. Yeah. So Omega and and Hangman seems to be a little uh, tension brewing there. Hangman wants to distance, <laughs> distance himself from the elite. So we kind of saw that in this match, especially when Omega tried to give a double high five or whatever that was <laughs> to Hangman. And Hangman kind of just walked past and patted him lightly on the back. Kind of some tension there. And then, you know, Omega hits a V-trigger, about to go for the one-winged angel, but then Hangman Page tags himself in and does his buckshot lariat instead. So he gets the pin on Kip, and he basically gets the win. Uh, and then, you know, Omega looks a little shocked and put off there, but they, you know, they kind of high-five, a low high-five, or shake hands kind of. I don't know what that was either. It didn't look like a normal shake uh, at the end of the match. But again, things aren't well exactly, no. or normal with... The elite, I guess. See, seems like we're setting up at some point down the road a Page Omega match. Uh, there, that there'll be some sort of tension that builds between the two of them, and, and or or just a longer Hangman Page story in general. Yeah, some kind of solo big story. It might not be with Omega. It just might be in general. That's possible about him trying to find who he is. Of course, the most ridiculous part of this entire match was the Tully being on stage with Joey Janela. Like he's been kidnapped, except it's the worst kidnapping ever. <laughs> yeah, it's like he was kidnapped by the wet slash sticky yeah. bandits. Yeah, who are the worst bandits yeah, they, ever? They would they would tie him up terribly, like yes. like Joey Janela did. That was so ridiculous that his hands weren't tied. Spears literally just lifts the rope right off and sets it down, and Tully, whose legs really aren't tied down, just slips out and well, you were doing that, that great visual like. Or he's so just Tully's, moving his hands yeah, back and forth. Tully's tied up. His body's tied up, but his arms are free, and he's, like, moving them like this. Like, well, can't you just, like, untie yourself? Untie yourself. Your hands are free. What are you doing? I don't know. I, it was so terrible. It was one of the worst. I mean, I. It, it was almost as if they were trying to be comically bad. They had to be because it couldn't, they couldn't have thought that that was, seemed serious. I don't know. That was pretty, pretty horrible. You know, it, yeah, it's not like when we've seen, like, Bray Wyatt drag somebody off and you, you yeah. feel like something's really going on there. This was so terrible. It really was. It was ridiculous. It was so terrible it was good, though. Yeah, it was fun. In a way, because I really laughed at that. Uh, Sammy went against Luchasaurus. Uh, Luchasaurus, so over. Oh, yeah. Gosh, I mean, he's such an agile big guy. He can move so smooth, and no other guy is doing this type of character. I mean, I don't know any other dinosaurs, do you? (laughs) (laughs) I like it a lot, and once we get into our pop and wrestling connection with Home Alone and wrestling, you'll see how popular he is and how popular Jurassic Express is when we get to that segment. Um, On that match, Jericho and Hager were on commentary. They kicked Excalibur and and, uh, Tony Schiavone out of there. Jericho is great on commentary. At one point, Sammy's beating up Luchasaurus. He says he's beating the tar out of him, and you know, the tar killed the dinosaurs. Yeah. So. And then he goes, I'm a wordsmith. Yeah, yeah. So uh, then uh, Jericho comes down to confront Jungle Boy. Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus and Marco Stunt, and whole thing happens where uh, Jungle Boy hits a Hurricane Rana and rolls him up, and Marco Stunt counts to three. On Jericho, and of course Jericho screws. That didn't count. That didn't count. But it's a nice setup for their singles match next week on December 18th. That should be a lot of fun. Jericho claims there's no way Jungle Boy is lasting 10 minutes in the ring with him. And I'm pretty sure we are going to see him go 10 minutes and yeah. some change. So yep. we'll see. 
All right, finally, the uh, match of the night on Dynamite. I would contend uh, probably the match of the week in the wrestling world. Uh, the Young Bucks versus Proud and Powerful. To me, this was the match of the week out of all the wrestling we've watched. I said this on the live stream, but I'll reiterate because it's an important point. You guys, if you're longtime listeners, know that I saw the Young Bucks versus Proud and Powerful, who were then called LAX, have an awesome match together on the Chris Jericho cruise last year. It was amazing. And so I had very high expectations for their first match at Full Gear. I, I was like, there's there's no way it's not going to be good. It's Proud and Powerful's essential debut in All Elite Wrestling in terms of a pay-per-view match. Mm-hmm. And it, it's got to be good. And it was good, but there was a lot of comedy in it. Now, this is the match I was waiting for. This is finally reminiscent of what I saw on the cruise in terms of intensity, in terms of, of meaning that it had. Because it did have a lot of meaning, I felt, or I thought... I, I loved it, and there were some really crazy spots, and it started right out the gate, even in the beginning. Yeah, you had uh, Nick doing the uh, senton off of the uh, entrance tunnel through the table. I thought that was great. Yeah, uh, I thought there... there were some funny spots with the cowboy's helmet. Yeah, yep. I, I look. I thought I thought the best sequence was that one twenty second sequence where. Uh, Matt did that uh, locomotion suplex thing where he suplexes three, three times, times, but the third time goes outside, goes over the rope through the table. Yeah, and then there was just all kinds of crazy stuff after that. In fact, we had to rewind it twice, <laughs> which we had to be careful that we didn't go too far away from being live because we had to do a live stream right after it was over. But uh, there was a back body drop uh, at one point. Yeah, somebody that, goes into a table. Yeah, Ortiz dumped uh, Matt onto the table. And then he did like a cannonball suicide, suicide dive, dive, taking Nick through the table. Right. So. so just tons of tables, everyone going outside of the ring. But that whole directions. that whole sequence all happened in like twenty five seconds. Yeah, that's it what was, we had to rewind. Yeah, it. Yeah. it was too intense and crazy. Yeah, it was it was pretty uh, pretty nuts, and it, it was it was a fun match all the way through. I, I really was entertained by this this match, and and you know I think people sometimes think that the Young Bucks can't do the the physical stuff that they only do the high flying stuff yeah. this obviously showed differently i liked uh something i saw in this too using the bottom of the trash can haven't seen that used before and then the finish with the uh super kick with the chair held against uh, ortiz's face or santana's face i can't remember who it was uh it was ortiz and uh the super kick onto the chair oh that was awesome yeah, yeah. and then um Melter drivers onto chairs, mm-hmm. and that's how they won. Yeah. I thought it was awesome, but I will want to. I want to make a note. So, WrestlingNews.co released an article. Nick had the flu hmm. the day of the match, and uh, Matt Jackson. How they everyone found out this was Matt Jackson tweeted out. You know, Nick's not going to come out and say it, but like he was laying on the floor of the locker room all day up until the match, and then he went out there and. He pulled off this awesome match. He's like he's he's too humble to say it, but he's amazing. And I'm so proud to be standing in the ring with him. And I just thought that was so cool. Yeah, like, what a professional Nick is. So having seen that match, knowing he had the flu now, that's crazy. Yeah, putting on a match of that caliber. Yeah. Really one thing if he just uh, you know was was in like a ten minute match that was non consequential and just kind of no, exactly. powered through it, but to have a match like that, pretty unbelievable. This was a brutal, intense, crazy match and he did it feeling like crap, I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, just props. I have mad respect for that. Uh the show ends with SCU in the ring and of course those two will go against each other 
next week on yep. uh, the season or the winter finale, as yes. they're calling it, of AEW. And that Dynamite. should be wonderful. We've seen all of them in the ring together back in the day with, of course, Ring of Honor. Also, of course, they're no strangers to each other on being the elite. So now we get to see them in the ring during AEW Dynamite. Should be a lot of fun. Yep. Uh, let's go to NXT, where the show started with Garza and Rush. A really fantastic match between the two of them. Crowd so hot for both these guys, especially for Garza. It felt like they were uh, really into it. Now, there were a couple sequences that I didn't like just because of the camera angle. Uh, the one was where Garza kind of sets up Rush to do his springboard thing. But you could see he kind of guided him to the ropes. If it was any other camera angle, you wouldn't see it. And then there was the one... See, it wasn't as obvious to me. Yeah. That part. Like, I was I was kind of looking at Rush. Yeah. And not at Garza, like, pushing him into the ropes. Yeah. But so the, maybe it was... I mean, I, once we were rounded, I did see it more. But the other one, obviously, was he's laying there and he, you can see him unsnap his pants. That was bad. Yeah. <laughs> that, that was a bad camera angle because, as you saw, uh, he tried to crawl, crawl out of the ring. Rush grabs his pants, of course... Uh, took off the long pants yeah. and you just exposed the trunk. So. Uh, Garza, I thought, uh, was just fantastic in this match. And you saw what it meant for him to win. He's uh, got a great family history. And then, of course, after the match, he proposes to his girlfriend while they were in commercial break. So cool. That was the best part, I think. <laughs> just because it had, like, you know, a personal meaning to him, obviously. It was a big night for him. And you saw that because he used that night to propose to his girlfriend. So winning the title obviously meant something big. And when it means something big to the star, kind of makes you feel even more connected to them watching at home. Because before, I didn't really care much about Garza. But, like, that match actually made me care a lot more for him. And especially, like, seeing how much it meant to him personally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, the show, or the match ended with Garza getting his knees up on the uh, final hour, hit the wing clipper, uh, R- Rush kicks out of it, and so you think, all right, mm-hmm. Rush is going to retain. But uh, Garza puts on a, a reverse full Nelson and submits him, and that's how he ended up winning the match. I'm very surprised you didn't call him Roosh. I'm I, very proud of I, you. I, oh, well. You were before. Well, you know what's going to happen. It's Friday. I'm going to call Roosh Rush. Yeah. yeah so, You're going to mix them all up. <laughs> exactly. Uh, great Finn Balor promo as he was setting up for that triple threat match when he said to Keith Lee, Keith Lee's been, like, relevant since War Games. What's that, three weeks ago? <laughs> you know, of course, we've known Keith Lee since PWG. Yeah. But good promo by Balor. A brutal match between Mia Yim and Dakota Kai. Her we, head! We got to see, uh, Dakota Kai really, uh, unleash her, her aggressive side. But in the end, she took a brutal spot as they went to the tech area and Mia Yim did a suplex through, well, it was supposed to be through two tables. Well, she basically yeah. drove Kai's head through the end of the second table. Right. Not on purpose, obviously. <laughs> uh, but, man, it we rewound it like three or four well, times. Well, and they showed the, like nine replays I know. Of it. I like, can't I don't believe think, they showed the replays. I don't think they realized in the truck how bad it was. And, you know, they cut away really quick. I thought I saw blood on the on the floor. Later saw that Kai had to get some staples, which was no yeah. surprise because that was a brutal spot. Uh, more importantly, like, I just hope she's okay in terms of, like, concussion-wise. Yeah. That was scary. But it did look brutal. I mean, that match was awesome. Another women's match had uh, Carter versus Bianca Belair. And uh, you just love Bianca, don't you? So do you. <laughs> oh, I do, Yeah, too. we both she's do. She's so cocky and strong. I love when she claps, and so do you. Yep. And, like, just I love when she dances. I love how she trolls her hair. Uh, I love that she makes her own gear. Uh, 
the complete package, really. She's so strong. She's so MF and strong. <laughs> I just, I really like her. Yeah. People were criticizing her, like, a year ago. Like, I don't know. I, I would be fine with her being NXT Women's Champ. Yeah, maybe she'll get her chance somewhere down the Eventually, road. Eventually, yeah. Well, one of these three guys was going to contend, get a chance to contend for Adam Cole's NXT Championship, either Tommaso Ciampa, Keith Lee, or Finn Balor. I thought, you know... This would have been the match of the week if it weren't for the Bucks versus Proud and Powerful because I thought this was a great match. But it came just, in second, just though. below, yeah, yeah, exactly, just a little bit, not uh, much though. Uh, this great visual when uh, Ch- Lee hit his uh, double hand strikes on Champa, and you could see the big giant handprint on the yeah. back of uh, Champa's shoulder blade. Uh, I thought that was really neat. And when Keith Lee beeled Balor into Champa, thought that was awesome as well. I mean, Keith Lee. I kind of felt like even going into the match, Keith Lee was going to have some of the best moments in the match, but he wasn't going to win. And as it turned out, that's the way it went. Yeah, uh, you predicted that right at the beginning. I was like, yeah, I think you're right. And there was a really cool Keith Lee coming up behind Balor again. A little uh, cameo, almost like a nod to what he had done the previous week where he popped up in the corner like a like a horror movie villain just rising out of nowhere <laughs> same kind of spot this week i liked how they kind of paid homage to it uh balor did oh go ahead oh i just want to say don't you forget about keith <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> there's this great video guys go to cultaholics youtube channel i was actually asked to be in it it's a whole music video about keith lee where they spoof the Don't You Forget About Me song, you know, from Breakfast Club. Yes. And they make it Don't You Forget About Keith. I think it should have been Don't You Forget About Lee. Lee rhymes with me, but whatever, that's fine. But anyway, it's a fantastic music video. It's totally 80s-ified, and you gotta see it. It's already got like 50,000 views on oh, top of yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, it's incredible. My friend Tom helped create it, along with a lot of other people at Cultaholic. So props to you guys. Uh, great job. And they chanted it for a second at NXT. They did. Yeah, you could hear them go, no, 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 no. <laughs> awesome. Uh, Finn Balor had a couple of cool counters to hit coup de gras. Once he uh, countered a power bomb uh, to hit a coup de gras. And then at the end, Keith Lee hits a spirit bomb on Champa, But Balor comes flying in, hits Out the coup nowhere. de gras. And he's the uh, number one contender. Yep. Um, I'm not surprised. No, I'm not At either. all. So... Uh, it, it is what it is. I think it had to play out that way. But it the brings only... up the debate that I asked you last night. Is it good that Balor comes right back to NXT and wins next week and wins the belt? We or... don't know if he's going to win the or, belt. Or, no, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Or should Cole retain, retain for a little while? I'm okay with Balor winning it because he has a pedigree. He has a history with NXT. There is no problem if it was just some new guy who's never paid their dues in, like, NXT. Then I'd be like, eh, it should be a little longer. But, I mean, he's not a nobody. And he's bringing a lot of eyes, I think, to NXT from the main roster. You know, some people who watch Raw and SmackDown don't usually watch NXT. But because Balor's there, maybe they have tuned into NXT people who normally wouldn't have. So Cole is over no matter if he has the title or not. I think Balor uh, is even better and more over with the title. So I think it wouldn't bother me if he won it. I agree. It might bother some people, but not me. We'll see. Uh, It's going to be a a fun show next week with that, as well as the Baylor... Rhea Ripley match with the... Which they had they, a great promo. Yeah, great oh. video for that. Yeah. Uh, their rivalry is really good. Just Shayna Baszler. Yeah. Her but I, pro- a promo all about 
Rhea Ripley was awesome. But I think I think this is the time. I think Baszler... It has to be yeah. now. Who else is going to beat her? Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, she's beaten everybody. I mean, she could circle back and win it again, maybe. But, uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think this is the time. And circling back quickly to Finn Balor, here's the question. If he doesn't win the title, where does he go in NXT? I feel like that's why he might have to win. Because if he doesn't win it... It's like, what is he going to do in NXT? Is he even staying? Right. It would, to me, be like, oh, he's not staying then. Yeah, that could be. Uh, or they could go the whole demon, he needs the demon character, and like play that off for a few months, and kind of bide time that way. So I guess those are the the different possibilities, in my opinion. We will see. Uh, switching gears to Raw, and before we're we... We're going out of chronological order, <laughs> but... <laughs> oh, yes. that, that's all fine. That's all fine. Uh, before we get into the show, some releases this week, Sin Cara... Ascension, Luke Harper. I guess none are a big surprise. Sin Cara, I think, wanted his release. So did Luke Harper. Yeah. For so, months. So, and then, you know, we've talked about it on the show before. They just ruined the Ascension once they promoted them. You know, the Ascension probably would have been loved to have been like Finn Balor and gone back to NXT. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure they would have. Because they were so over in NXT. They did fine there. And their gimmick was a lot more serious there. As soon as they moved up, it was kind of a joke right away. Especially when the Legends just tore them apart and really almost made fun of them. Yeah. I can't remember the exact details of how that unfolded. But I just remember being like, oh, God, they're ruined. Yep. Right away. Um, Luke Harper, I think, is the most interesting name on this list of releases because mm-hmm. uh, he even tweeted out how he's so happy. It's one of the happiest days of his career, he said. Um, that says a lot. I mean, he had wanted it for a long time, but they were just keeping him there. He's such a great wrestler. I remember a tweet, man, years ago when Chris Jericho was still in WWE. All these guys backstage wearing Luke Harper t-shirts. Basically, like, advocating, like, how much they loved Luke Harper. And Luke Harper was one of them. And they were all wearing these t-shirts. And there was a tweet about it. And I think it was a real picture. I don't think it was photoshopped or anything. Um, And I think I had read an article about someone talking about they were wearing all those shirts because they all love Luke Harper. He's such a great big man. But he's super underrated. Yeah. So I think... I, I remember that. Whoever scoops him up... It'll be great for the promotion. I think he could literally go anywhere he wants. Because I think people outside of WWE know he can go. And know how undervalued he kind of was and underutilized. Uh, People are speculating AEW. But I personally would like to see New Japan Pro Wrestling so he could face Archer. Two big guys going at it. That would be incredible. Even if it's just for a little while. And then maybe he goes to AEW. uh, I would love to see him hell in Ring of Honor. That would be a huge get for them, and they need people right now uh, to to capture attention <coughs> and me. to turn their negative, you know, perception into a positive one. That would be a really good hand in changing that first, you know, how people see them right now. Uh, and more positive news for people: the Hall of Fame induction uh, waves of of announcements have started. Uh, I know you want to talk about Batista, so I'll talk about the NWO. I think the NWO being in is is makes sense, uh, but the NWO to me, it's either you induct all eighteen of them or however many there were, or it should just be Hogan, Nash, and Hall. Uh, nothing against X Pac, he just doesn't he he doesn't scream NWO like the other three to me. So uh, when they were talking about that this week, I did, that part didn't make sense to me. Yeah, I feel like he just doesn't go. Yeah. More with DX than NWO, that's right. for sure. Um, when you think NWO, you think the three guys. 
Right. And you, you think- don't think anything else. You don't even think about all the ridiculous, you know, other branches that wound up happening. At least I don't. No. Well, and you think about it. Are they inducting yeah. Sting? Well, are they inducting all these people with you, the NWO who eventually joined? And you think about it, X-Pac was part of the revolution that showed up on WCW's door as as part of DX. So to me, he was counter to yeah to NWO. Even though he was in NWO for a cup of coffee, to me, it just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. T- make sense to me either. And it's like they're not even inducting Eric Bischoff, who came up with it. Of course, there's tensions there, well, so yeah. well, if that makes sense. But still, like the, the whole thing is, it just seems like they're kind of stretching with that a, a little bit. Yep. And again, nothing against X Pac. No, no, yeah. I love him, and he's got a great podcast. He's one of the greatest wrestlers ever. Did a lot of innovative, high flying stuff. Uh, nothing against him at all. I like his work quite a bit, actually. And you definitely like Batista. <laughs> so I you're happy Batista. about that I'm induction. super happy about that honestly he's a really good guy he really really is i i know people think of him as like uh not the best in the ring i just think you know when he came back he wrestled on house shows and he didn't have to he was a name when he came back when you know evolution got back together that was some of my favorite storytelling in recent wwe when he got back together with evolution they they feuded with the shield that stuff was gold in my opinion and you know what he came back and it was a really weird time the crowd kind of turned against him Mm -hmm. because it was daniel bryan's time right and he although he came back and like he was prom i think he was i think i read or heard that he was promised to win the title actually at mania but instead like you know things were changing and they're like oh we're gonna give it to daniel bryan and he put daniel bryan over uh, to me, like, he's just a stand-up guy because some people would be, like, against that and be like, well, then I'm not coming back then. Yeah. Or I'm not going and doing every episode of TV. I'm only going to, you know, do the pay-per-views. Or I'm only going to come every three months and appear. He wasn't like that. So, to me, I've got mad respect for him. He's a humble guy outside of the ring as well. And if you've listened to any interview with him, you can tell that. And people compliment him all the time. So, me, I'm, like, super excited. And I actually have, like, a ton of uh, Batista merchandise. Especially some action figures. I've got, like, three. Including the Blue-Tista action figure. (laughs) Where he's in the blue gear when he was uh, with Evolution about to leave WWE. That Mm -hmm. final time. That final match before he left. Let's get to the show itself. It opened, of course, with Lana and Rusev and Lashley. Uh, we're finally getting the payoff, though. Rusev and Lashley gonna go at it in uh, in tables, ladders, and chairs. But uh, Lana, I only got one thing to say. I know, I'm Rusev. For- you're a monster. <laughs> but she did say you'd like this. She said that her acting inspiration was Catherine O'Hara from Schitt's Creek, and she posted like a. She's like, you guys don't understand acting. I'm. I'm and being dramatic, I'm glad Catherine O'Hara is my acting inspiration. Oh, I you can know. see it there because yeah, now she is over the top. Yeah, because she's over the top. Yeah, like, I in, in that in that role, not in every role, right. But in that role, yes. So I thought that was kind of funny because I could, once she tweeted that gif, I could totally see the similarities between the her what she was doing and that character on Shit's Creek. Yeah, pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, theme throughout this show was that Ko wanted to get his hands on AOP. He had a uh, a showdown with Seth Rollins in the ring. Then Seth Rollins exited the ring, and KO went back and looked for them. He ends up finding their SUV, takes a baseball or the uh, lead pipe to it. 
opens the back. Uh, there's somebody sitting there. AOP attacks him, and the the person in the back seat is Seth Rollins. So obviously, you didn't even see somebody sitting. In the no, back I didn't. Seat. I missed that. So uh, it appears Seth and AOP are going to be working together. Booker T said on backstage that was a custom chair in the back of the van. Yeah. They made it so it could turn around like, uh, I thought it was kind of like Who Wants to Be a Millionaire where they turn around, <laughs> do-do-do-do. I think the chair used to turn around. Oh, no, they just walked. I don't remember. Whatever. <laughs> it was like some kind of game show, it felt like. Uh, CM Punk actually said he doesn't mind the gimmick uh, as long as it doesn't become a reincarnation of the shield. And actually he said, remember how he, I can't remember exactly how he worded it, but he said, do what you're good at. He's not good at being a good guy. Right. He's good at being a heel. Yeah, yeah, which you have said on this show repeatedly. I have. That Seth Rollins is so much better as a heel. So me and CM Punk, we're on the same page you on are. that. You are. Uh, Matt Hardy came out, uh, looks like, uh, I don't know, I don't, the end of Matt Hardy. You know, you, you talked about it in your video last week, uh, talking about Matt Hardy. But... Uh, He's going to have to go to the broken character, I would think. <laughs> so, there's many possibilities from this. Hardy loses against McIntyre. Um, wasn't necessarily a squash match, but it was quick. And he does kind of get put away. I'm thinking there's only two possibilities. He's leaving with the broken character, or he's getting reincarnated and will work with the Fiend with the broken character in WWE. So it's one of the two. In my video on Wrestling News Co.'s YouTube channel, you can find out my little summary of the first four episodes of his YouTube series for The Delete and my speculation on what it could mean. Now, I will say an interesting comment in those YouTube comments on my video is that somebody said that there's a part of the episode of For The Delete where he's dunking himself in the pool, which is filled with all this... Uh, water from the lake of reincarnation and of course that's uh where bray wyatt disappeared in the ultimate deletion and and then later we saw bray wyatt come back as the fiend so all this kind of connects together uh he had dumped a bucket of water that said let me in in a girl's voice mm -hmm. into the pool before he dunked himself in the pool the youtube comment said during that sequence in the free to delete video they were playing bray wyatt's theme on the piano I didn't notice that, but they said that in the YouTube comments, and I'm like, whoa, if that's true, that's crazy. So that's a hint, if it is true, that maybe he's staying, but he's got to lose a lot to, right. to change his character. Now, this could all be moot by the time you guys are listening to it, because, of course, our podcast drops on Friday. Matt Hardy is releasing a new episode of Free the Delete. Will we get more clues you know, as to if he's staying or leaving? I don't know. Only time will tell. By the time you guys listen to this, we may already know some more hints, or we may know, period. I don't know. And maybe on SmackDown, The Fiend may release some sort of clue, too. Yeah, we don't know. But lots of things could happen by the time this podcast is released. That's so true. Stay tuned. If uh, there's more developments, we'll talk about them more next week. So Becky Lynch is the one to take on the Kabuki Warriors by herself this week. Although Charlotte Flair comes in to talk to her prior to the match, and... And Becky apparently is writing in a diary or something. I don't know what was going that on. That was the funniest part about that. What is she writing? <laughs> I, Seth I, has turned heel. Yeah, that's what that's, you that's said. That's what I said. Dear diary, my boyfriend is turning heel. <laughs> <laughs> Should I turn heel? I'm so conflicted. She's kind of heelish. I, I don't know. I guess. She's so, a tweener. So she had a, a pretty good match with the Kabuki Warriors, but ends up getting uh, beaten down. And Charlotte re goes back and meets her in the medical area and says, so how'd that go? 
<laughs> very very snarky. Yes. Uh, then she gets attacked by the Kabuki warriors in the in the hall, and then they're both in the medical area, and they decide to team at tables, liars, and chairs. And automatically, I think this is one of the must-see matches of Tables, Liars, and Chairs. It's probably the match I'm most excited about, to be honest with you. And I love how, you know, they say, you want to face them? Yep. But let's raise the ante. Tables, ladders, and chairs. So, really, they proposed that it would be a Tables, Ladders, and Chairs match. And I think the feud now warrants it because of all the animosity between them all. And it's going to be good when there's, you know, a good story like that behind it just makes that match better uh alistair black buddy murphy both are were in action but they're going to be against each other at tables liars and chairs i am really looking forward to that match Me too uh, i to me that's going to be the match of the show that and the one we just mentioned the kabuki warriors versus becky and charlotte uh show ends uh with the main event aj styles versus ray mysterio i did mention this on the on the uh the the review Samoa Joe, so good on commentary. He's really got a career in this business as a commentator if he wants to. Five minutes after he retires, grab him for a commentator <laughs> role. And they would be remiss not to. And, uh, you know, the match was decent, but Raw ended rather quickly. Like, it was almost like a mistake or something. Yep. A mistimed show, I guess, because you see Randy Orton distract Styles, and all of a sudden the copyright's up before... The show's even over, before the match is even right, over. Right, and then Mysterio wins, and uh, a little stare down between Orton and Styles, and the uh, show went off the air. So, tables, liars, and chairs on Sunday. We get Bray Wyatt versus The Miz in a non-title match. Uh, we talked about the women's tag team, Reigns and Corbin in a tables, liars, and chairs match. I'll be interested to see how two big guys that don't use ladders very often, how they navigate that. That'll be interesting to see. Uh, New Day versus The Revival. We mentioned Rusev, Lashley, Black versus Murphy, and Bailey will take on Lacey Evans. And we will have a live review on Sunday night afterwards. Yes, it'll be a lot of fun. Speaking of fun, when we come back, something you love and it's so much fun. Home Alone, who's going to help out Kevin McAllister? It's next. Our Two-Faced Wrestling Talk logo was inspired by Two-Face, the Batman animated series character, and his coin. The logo was designed by the talented and creative artist Eric Hudson. Eric creates wrestling-themed pieces as well as other pop culture art. He is also currently working on a Roddy Piper comic book. You can follow him on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dreaded Dinosaur. You can also support his work by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash dreaded dinosaur. Please check out his work. And now back to Two-Face Wrestling Talk. So we're about to get into your favorite thing, uh, Home Alone. We do this every year. Who is going to help out? Kevin McAllister, which wrestlers? But uh, speaking of movies. Yeah, I love horror movies. You guys know that. Uh, it's, it's some of my favorite types of movies out there. And every year during Halloween, I have a big horror movie marathon. Well, if you guys are like me and love horror movies, then I want you to check out my friend's podcast. Join the club, the B Horror Movie Club. It's a podcast that looks at different horror films chosen by the hosts each week. They discuss the movie, rank it, and if necessary, ridicule the host who picked it. <laughs> they cover movies from Tucker and Dale vs. Evil and Jordan Peele's Us, all the way to the ABCs of Death and Deathbed, the bed that eats the people. <laughs> Give them a listen on your preferred podcast app. Check out their rankings at midmogamer.com slash bhorrormovieclub or email them at bhorrormovieclub at gmail.com 
you know, I personally love their Hellraiser episode. Hellraiser is one of my favorite horror movies ever, and they did a whole episode on that one. And they also have one all about uh, Dolph Lundgren movie universe. Of course, that's Ivan Drago yeah, from that, Rocky. That's in episode nine, and uh, you want to check them out this week. They're watching Elves. If you want to watch it, it'll be available yeah. on Amazon Prime. If right. you want to watch the movie before you listen to their review. So, so participate with them. Uh, the Horror Movie Club, it, uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, thanks for being our friends, guys. We appreciate you. So, now... On to our Christmas movie. Yes. It's changing gears a little bit. Yes. And uh, this is something we seem to do every year. It's now an annual Christmas tradition. Yes, much like many people think Home Alone is a Christmas tradition. Before we get into the question, you know, a couple of months ago I actually put out a poll on Twitter and I asked people to choose between Home Alone or Home Alone 2, which movie they liked better. And I am so sad with the results. 117 votes, Home Alone won with 75% of the votes, Home Alone 2 only receiving 25%. Such a bummer as Home Alone 2 is my favorite of the two. (laughs) Tim Curry, you can't beat it. Also, Merry Christmas, you filthy animal. (laughs) And a Happy New Year. That's from Home Alone 2, and to me that one's the way better one. But (laughs) eh, to each his own. Home Alone is also great, the original, of course. Now onwards to the question. I told people on Twitter this year, and I've been doing it for the last two years, it's time for my favorite annual wrestling Christmas question. You are Kevin McAllister. You know the wet bandits are coming for you at 9 p.m. Which wrestlers do you recruit to help protect your home from Marvin Harry, and why? And then I said the best answers would be red, and we're going to read them now. But before we get into the new answers, I do want to read the best answer from last year. And it's crazy to note, last year we got over 100 responses on this question. And we couldn't even read them all. We read 12 last year. One of the 12 we read was from our good friend, Sean Ross Sapp. Of course, he's at Fightful.com. He said, Coco beware, because Mm -hmm. he can control the birds in Central Park. Of course, he's referencing Home Alone 2, so I've got a soft spot for this answer right here. And he also said, Triple H, because he knows how to work a shovel, even as an old man. (laughs) Of course, a little, you know, wink, wink, nod, nod. Triple H, known to bury people. Old man Mari... I can't even speak today. Old man... Old (laughs) man... Old man Marley burying people with the shovel. That's the rumor and the urban legend in Home Alone. Uh, But yet he uses that shovel actually to save Kevin McAllister. So I like that answer. It was the perfect answer last year. Gets my gold award. All right. Now on to this year. And we'll start with the Tommy Masano at Alt MMA. And he says, uh, brilliant question. Keith Lee and Becky Lynch. Then at Derek Stark says, I would pick either the Viking Raiders or Santana Ortiz, both brawlers that would make the Wet Bandits look like absolute crybabies. They'd wet the bed like Fuller (laughs) if they saw them coming their way. We've got my friend John at Big Paws on a Pup, Session Moth to help them get drunk, then Chris Statlander to abduct them onto her ship and move them to a different (laughs) location. When they awake from their drunken haze, they don't know why they are in Sheridan, Wyoming, and the locals don't believe them because they smell like booze. (laughs) That's probably one of my favorite answers from this year. Great job, John. And, you know, Chris Statlander, she's just getting super over. Everyone loves her, and she was great in her match recently. Uh, I really like her, too. At Braves fan for life eight says Brock Lesnar just hitting multiple German suplexes and Ricochet doing some insane flips in the house. And uh, at Fox Four Sports Talk, you guys give up or are you thirsty for more? He says as he's got a uh, 
a picture of the fiend saying, let me in. You gotta do it better. You guys give up? Or you're thirsty for more. <laughs> That's how Kevin McAllister yes. says it. But perfect use of the movie quote and the gif with the fiend. Yes. Let me in, it says. Uh, at Raw Mopar fan. He picks Shane Helms and Matt Hardy, Dustin Rhodes, and a couple of other people as well. Then we've got our great friend, Good Guy Dave, at Dave Pazeski. He'd pick an overwhelming evil team of Jay White, Jimmy Havoc, and Marty Skrull. Jay would menacingly sharpen his knives as Jimmy became a one-man army of walking doom, and Marty <laughs> would direct the others by walkie-talkie as he hid in the shadows like an evil Batman, surprising Marvin Harry. Like it a lot. That's an evil team. Yes, it is. I don't know if they would really be good to team with Kevin, because they might betray him. At Last Bone Stands, Kane and Undertaker came can summer, summon fire at will. Taker can shoot lightning. Both are imposing humans. And if fire and lightning didn't work, I'd reckon a good old-fashioned choke slam would put Harry and Marv out of commission. From the second floor. That would work on Home Alone too. <laughs> uh, this next one is from At Smarkin Friends. When fending off thieves like the Wet Bandits, you gotta fight fire with fire. It's the Repo it's Man. It's the Repo Man, yeah. Yeah, the yeah you, gotta the see, you gotta man. see the picture, of course, on, if you're watching us Or you just hear us YouTube. say it, but yes, yes, it works. But it's better with the picture. It is better <laughs> with the picture. Then we've got Nicholas at Nicholas Nutter, Ishii, and John Moxley. By the time they get through Moxley's traps, they'll come face-to-face with Ishii. Tomohiro wouldn't have to even do anything. They would just give up yeah. and bail on sight. Yeah, he does look really grumpy and scary. Yeah. If, if you came across him, you'd just be like, this guy's mad. Well, just one away. slap and they'd be running. Yeah, it's true. Last year we had a whole bunch of Suzuki answers. Not as many this year. Yeah. At 3X Oscar winner, Luchasaurus, he's a dinosaur, <laughs> Moxley, in my opinion, easily capable of murder. I mean, uh, self-defense. <laughs> then we've got another Jurassic Express slash Luchasaurus gif reference. Uh, we've got at Boss BSFR81. Just think how much fun we can have. And it's a picture gif of Luchasaurus and Jungle Boy. <laughs> awesome. At PCH Nilbog, I will have CSJ because the Wet Bandits are bollocks. I will also have MJFs so you can interview them while they're being tortured. At Doctor of Raslin, I'd go with Bray Wyatt. That nice family film is going to get a lot darker. <laughs> That's for sure. Yeah. Uh, at Psycho Nigiri, uh, I got to go with Ishii because he's simply unkillable and Kenny because he's got that hilarious barbed wire mop. It's perfect for all of Kevin's homemade traps. And weapons use that mop, but I did tell Nate that it would take the movie from PG to PG thirteen. He's like, I've been wanting to see a rated R Home Alone <laughs> forever, so this is fine with me. <laughs> that would be an extreme Home Alone, that's for sure. At GF Allentown Pod, obviously I pick Haku. Whether he's thirty years old or even sixty, those bandits would go running unless they don't want to lose a nose or an eye. That's a great answer. I think one person said Haku last year, but, I mean, it's the correct answer. Yeah. He would really scare off anybody. At Sensai underscore Dave Bear, either the Road Warriors, because, well, one look at them and the wet, sticky bandits would just walk away, or since it's in Chicago, let's make it a hometown crew of CM Punk and Colt Cabana. I like that, but I don't know if Colt and yeah, CM Punk would be working so yeah, seamlessly they, they'd, together. They'd but, be working against each other. But I like the Chicago tie-in there, and we've got to make a note that we went and saw the Home Alone house in Chicago last time we were there. We did. Looks just like it, like the movie, except, you know, the driveway's a little different. Yeah. 
But other than that, like, the exterior is just like it. It's incredible. We've got Zach at Moon Knight 313. Just one. Pentagon Jr. Because zero miedo. <laughs> zero fear. At Joe underscore Kaminsky. Kanan Undertaker because, well, they're Kanan Undertaker. At Bailey's Bitch. Uh, uh, can, I, can I cheat and say all of New Day? I just feel like their comedy would mix well with the film and they would be able to accurate, accurately help me take them out at will, also mocking them hilarious ways. Plus, they're high flyers. Instead of dropping paint cans, they can jump on them. I like that. We've got at blue underscore Ray Mysterio. I would choose Tiger Mask because tigers are great protectors. <laughs> and finally, at Russell. N-A-I-L-I-A. Love this question. I mean, the answer is obviously Jurassic Express, and that movie needs to be made ASAP. (laughs) So it is funny, because we do this every year. There's new wrestlers that are coming into the forefront. Yeah. So obviously, uh, Jurassic Express getting a lot of love in this. That's what I said earlier. A a year ago, none of us knew who they were. Exactly. They weren't in any of the answers last year. That's (laughs) why, even though, yes, we've done this question three years in a row, and we do get some of the same answers. Like, I, we had one person saying Haku. That's not really a, a lot of the same answers. Uh, but there seems to be different trends every year, like you said. It's kind of interesting. Sometimes no wrestlers are mentioned, and the next year there's ten people who mention them. I literally Crazy. have no idea or remember who I've said the last two years. I think <laughs> last year we didn't say anybody, but I know the first year I definitely said um, Brian Malonis. That they, who's so nice that they could eat a cheese pizza pizza afterwards, and that he'd be charging down the stairs, and he would run into Marvin Harry, and they would think it was the sound of a tool chest falling down the stairs, but they would say, no, it was the sound of Malonis barreling down the, the stairs. Because <laughs> Malonis would be the one to push him against the wall, gotcha. smash their noses in. In the movie, it's a toolbox, right. a tool chest. Uh, but yeah, I said Malonis. I don't know what you said. No, I, no I recollection. No. recollection. So... Uh, I'm going to guess my answers this year are new. I think so. Uh, so... Do you want to go first or me? I'll go first. All right, go. I hope you save, don't have my save picks. Save the best for last. Uh, because Kevin just wins with, uh, over the wet sticky bandits with hijinks, Yano is going to be one of the guys this year. He was popular last year. Because he's all about hijinks. And the other one is going to be the boogeyman, who's going to set traps with earthworms, and, and the wet sticky bandits are going to end up eating a lot of earthworms. I like that a lot. Good choices, Paul, <laughs> for not knowing anything about anything. I don't know anything about anything. <laughs> I know. I'm all about movies, you know. Yeah, Whatever. That's what another else? story. Whatevs. Whatevs. <laughs> all right, so my choices. I think they're pretty good this year. I'm really proud of them, and I'm so happy that no one else said them because I was really scared they were going to get taken. So first... I like this pick a lot. Jordan Grace. Why? Well, she's imposing. She's strong. And, I mean, just the sight of her alone, the Sticky Bandits will be like, oh, crap, man. We're no match for her. She's strong as hell. And then once she gets a hold of them, she'll just literally toss them, slam them down the stairs or off the second floor like a pile of bricks like Kevin does onto Marv, except she'll actually toss Marvin Harry <laughs> off the top of the roof or the second floor. It'll be great. Totally comedy genius. But uh, the other reason I chose her is because she loves Christmas. So who better than a powerhouse who loves Christmas to be in a Christmas movie helping defend the protagonist? I love it. She was posting Christmas-type stuff on November 28th on Twitter. So I know she would fit perfectly in this awesome Christmas movie because she just embodies the Christmas spirit. 
So she's totally worthy to be a choice to help out Kevin McAllister against those pesky wet bandits. Who else you got? My other choice, the Briscoes. <laughs> Mark Briscoe especially, he'd bring in his chickens. They would confuse <laughs> the wet slash sticky bandits. Especially if we were talking Home Alone 2. They were wearing tape on their hands. You know, the chickens would stick to their hands. They couldn't grab anything. There's chickens on their hands. Or they're getting messed up. Uh, then you got Jay Briscoe, who's scary as hell. He just walks around. Uh, once Harry starts going, Fretcher, 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 instead of cursing, Jay's going to be like, what the you saying, bro? What are you saying, man? And then you'll start beating him up. It'll be great. It'll be incredible. Well, I, Let's make that movie. Kevin would yell down the hall or down the stairs to them, have you guys had enough yet? And, and if they don't answer, then, then Jay would weigh in. You boys about to die. <laughs> yeah, we cr- we're crazy. We're going to kill you. <laughs> we're so good. We're so good at so much stuff, Mark Briscoe says, as he starts to totally throw stuff at the wet-slash-sticky bandits <laughs> and do the funky chicken. Any other bonus ones? Or is that, that your two? I actually just have... Oh. Well, technically, the Bristols are kind of bonus because yeah. they're two-in-one, so that's kind of like you a You usually cheat. have a list of about eight options. So. <laughs> no, I was really happy with these choices, so I didn't want to, like mess it up and pick any extras. I think the Briscoes are honestly a genius choice, along with Jordan Grace. Like, what a trio. Yeah. Seriously. I agree. They could defeat any bandit, and especially those bumbling fools. You got a tweet of the week for us? I don't know. I think I do. <laughs> Just stall and I'll read one. <laughs> well, I'm sure I do. Well, while you find your tweet of the week, we'll remind you that we're going to have a live recap after Tables, Liars, and Chairs. Uh, so join us for that. She will probably, probably have a final battle live show right after a live review. And where can they find it? It'll all be on Wrestling News Co.'s YouTube channel, so make sure you subscribe and watch. And, uh, of course, next week, a Raw Live review, an AEW Live review. All that weekly on Wrestling News Co.'s uh, YouTube channel, so make sure you check that out. Oh, yeah, this one's great. Okay, here it is. <laughs> I have all these tweets bookmarked, so I, like, I forgot to look through them before I did the show. But I always, like, the t- contenders, they're always bookmarked. So I've got, like, a billion bookmarks at this point. On my Twitter. But this one jumps out at me. So, of course, Joey Janela tweets out, Hotel Front Desk. I watch. I know who you are. What's up, Sammy Guevara? (laughs) And so, the front desk person thought he was Sammy Guevara. But he's Joey (laughs) Janela. So, basically, they're like, I know who you are. I like that. Do you get it? I do. You don't feel like you got it. No, I understand. They they think that Joey Janela is Sammy Guevara. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. So, it was pretty funny. It's like I, I get mistaken for Brad Pitt all the time, you know. It's the same I'll, kind of thing. I'll give a little bonus runner-up sentence. I don't think you liked my tweet very much. That just much. went right over your head. I just kind of ignored yeah. it. Sorry, I wasn't even really paying attention to what you just said. What did you just say? I said just like people mix me up with Brad Pitt all the time. Oh, yeah. Ha-ha, yeah, whatever. You see, this is how it goes. I, like, ignore Paul thing. yeah. things Paul says at home, and he's all like, why you didn't hear me? Yeah. There you go. You just saw it in person. Everybody (laughs) just witnessed what I deal with on a a daily basis. All right, so I'll give you a special runner-up tweet of the week, just because it's the holidays, a bonus tweet of the week. Sure. So Chucky T at Sexy Chucky T tweets, a picture of extra strong, large trash garbage bag box. He goes, brother, if that ain't me, extra strong, large trash. (laughs) (laughs) So... 
There you go. Yeah. <laughs> My screen is cracked. <laughs> so Chuck E. T. saying he's, he's strong trash. <laughs> Whatever. I like it. <laughs> uh, we like our Patreons, and we want to thank Jason Spann, uh, Nate at Psycho Nigiri, Ant at Smart to Death, Charles Fitzpatrick, Nigel Coleman at Nacho Coalmine, uh, Graham Bagshaw at the MGB Wrestling Pod, of course with Mason, mm-hmm. and Alex. So thank you all for supporting us. We really appreciate it. And uh, thank you for joining us once again for Wrestling Talk at its finest. At its finest. <laughs> on Two-Faced Wrestling Talk. With lots of beer. Yes. Yeah. So thank you guys for watching. Next week will be fun, but for this week, that's it for us. That's the finish. <laughs> <laughs>